You are listening to a podcast from Vineyard Church of Augusta. For more information, visit vineyardaugusta.org. Today is Palm Sunday. If you're following the Christian calendar, uh, you know that this is the day that the church universal celebrates the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem just days before he was crucified. And uh, it's where Jesus rode on a donkey into town uh, where, where throngs and crowds were gathered together as they were coming together to celebrate Passover. They were waving palm branches in his honor, hailing him as Messiah, uh, that he was sent by God. And I got to tell you, this story is one I've been hearing since I was a little bitty kid in Sunday school with flannel graphs and flannel boards, uh, and my Sunday school teachers would tell me. But as I get older, I just have to imagine how surreal an experience this must have been for Jesus. He's taking in all of the the adulation and the praise that's going on uh, along those who are crowding the streets, and at the same time, he knows what's going to be happening just days away. Um, All the Gospels record Jesus' triumphal entry uh, as he joined those who were coming together to celebrate Passover, the Jewish festival celebrating uh, how God delivered the Jews from uh, Egyptian captivity and, and brought them into the promised land. And Jesus, he's reflecting on the fact that he is coming to be a new lamb slain from the foundation of the world, that his body broken, his blood shed would provide freedom from the slavery of the kingdom of this world once and forevermore for all people, not just Jews. This morning, I want us to, uh, to, to talk about fickle folks and the unlikely Messiah that we read about here in Luke's account of Palm Sunday. Um, you know, I, I, even as a little kid, I remember reading this story or having this story read to me and thinking, wow, people can be really fickle, can't they? They can. We can, can't we? We can be really, really fickle, and this is one of those examples where we see it, uh, how, how quickly opinions change and sentiment can change as a result of uh, the culture around us, societal pressures, all those kinds of things, and we still see that today. But as I get older, I begin to realize just how Jesus also, he, he didn't fit the expectations that those along the side of the road who were saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They had an expectation of what this Messiah would be and what he would do, and he didn't fit that. He didn't come showing a, a, you know, a showy, uh, big, uh, you know, orchestrated campaign uh, that showed him as a, a political powerhouse or a military might. No, he came in uh, bringing peace that we sang about this morning, God's kingdom, a kingdom of peace and joy where God comes and sets things right. So this morning, we're going to read Luke's account of Palm Sunday, and it's in Luke 19. It begins with verse 28. If you want to read along with me, also, we've got it on the screens here in the worship center, but it's also, I think, in your notes. After Jesus had said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. And as he approached Bethpage and Bethany at the hill called Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. And if anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say, the Lord needs it. Those who were, uh, who were sent ahead went and they found it just as Jesus had told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? And they replied, the Lord needs it. And they brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, 
and put Jesus on it. And as he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road, sort of like a, a, a red carpet event welcoming Jesus to Jerusalem. And when he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. And Jesus replied, I tell you, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. And as he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, Jesus wept over it. And he said, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls, and they will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you, a prophecy regarding the destruction of Jerusalem. So let's pray. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for the peace and the hope that we find in being with you. And God, thank you that, that you are... Uh, you are our, our Savior. You are our Lord. You save us. Hosanna, blessed is your name. And Lord, let that be an eternal cry of our heart. Come, Holy Spirit, and, and open our eyes to the, the unlikely Messiah that you are, Jesus, that goes against our expectations and, and what we think you should be. And Holy Spirit, show us our hearts and show us where we are fickle, just like the people who, who cried out Hosanna, but just days later cried out crucify him. Come, Lord, we open our hearts to you. I give my words to you. Come and speak through me this morning, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's begin with a couple of things that, that did make Jesus that unlikely Messiah in the minds of and hearts of the people then, and maybe in, in our hearts and minds even today. And the first is this, is that we have a Messiah who willingly limits himself. He, he chooses to, to limit himself and include others. You might even say he chooses to limit himself so that he can include others. And it is his choice. It is his decision. Notice in the, the reading here in Luke that Jesus sends two of his disciples ahead to borrow uh, a colt, a donkey. And it's a creature that the God the Son created with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. And so he created one. Uh, he created you know, all things that, that are, including this, this donkey. Uh, but, but here, Jesus on earth, Jesus really, you know, he didn't have anything of his own. And you've got this irony, this dichotomy going on of, of, of the God of the universe who is here in flesh. He comes to earth really with no material possessions, and he leaves with no material possessions. And if you read through the Gospels, you see that this is not the first time that Jesus borrows something. Do any of you have neighbors who like to borrow tools? My, my, my brother lives right across the street from my dad. My brother's a great guy, and my dad's very generous, but my brother loves to borrow my dad's tools, and forget to return them. He just does that. So um, I'm sure you probably have somebody in your life like that. But Jesus, he re we don't know. I guess he, re I'm sure he returned the donkey. I'm sure he did. Uh, 
But we see here that this is not the first time that Jesus actually borrowed something from someone. We see this this pattern happening over and over and over again. Uh, Remember the miracle of Jesus feeding the the crowd of 5,000? Remember that? Well, that wasn't food that he brought with him that day, was it? It wasn't even food that his disciples had. Uh, I mean, talk about borrowing lunch from a little kid. But he blessed it and he fed everybody with it. And even to get there, he borrowed a ship. He borrowed I mean, a, a boat to get there. Uh, that, that even happened then that he was borrowing that boat to be able to, to get over to that place. And so he borrows a colt here. He borrows a donkey. And just days later, Jesus' dead body would be placed in a borrowed grave. And so it's like, well, what's the big deal about that? It's this, that the creator and owner of everything of everything. He borrows things. And it's this self-limitation. Uh, uh, that It's the way that God works in our world today that he chooses to, to limit. He could, he could come. He could evangelize every person. He could tell about himself. He could heal every person. But he chooses not to do that. Just as he chose to send two of his disciples to go and ask, hey, uh, I, I need this donkey. The Lord needs it. He sends us today. He sends us. He sends us to pray for people, to share good news of Jesus and what he's done in our own lives. He, he sends us to provide for the needs of the poor. Yeah, God owns the cattle of a thousand hills. hills. He, could, he could take care of all of that, but he chooses, he chooses to include us. When God wants something done in the world, He invites you and me to partner with him uh, so that his purposes, both in our lives and in the world around us, can be fulfilled. He invites us to pray, Lord, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so we're praying this. He gives us the responsibility to pray, Lord, let your kingdom come. Your will be done. So we are to be people of prayer, people listening to the Holy Spirit, people responding in obedience to what the Holy Spirit is doing. I mean, in 1 Corinthians, Paul even calls the church co-workers with God. And this was to a Gentile church. He's calling us co-workers with God. The sovereign God could do everything uh, and anything without us But in his love and his sovereignty and his good plans, his good purposes, he chooses to include us. And it's interesting, we're going to be looking and just as we we look in in a few weeks as Jesus ascends after his his death, his resurrection, and at at his ascension, he leaves here on earth two things. What does he leave? He leaves his disciples and he leaves the Holy Spirit who empowers them to do the ministry that he's left them with, the ministry, the mission that he has left them with. And so we've been commissioned, every single one of us. I mentioned earlier, everybody gets to play. And that's, that's our, 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 our explanation of the, 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 the heavy, heady theological term, priesthood of the believers, that you know, the, the role of ministry is not just for pastors or just for leaders, but every single one of us. Even if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, God invites you to participate in the work of his kingdom. Maybe it's through kindness. Maybe it's through encouragement. Maybe it's through serving the poor. There are all kinds of ways that he, that he does that. 
He calls us to share the good news, to pray for the sick, to, to encourage people. So Vineyard Church of Augusta, our mission, love Jesus, do his ministry everywhere. That's to us, and that's what we're to be giving ourselves to do. So Jesus, he, he was one who was self-limiting, and, and he included others, and he's still doing that today in terms of his ministry. We have also a Messiah who is, as we see here in this example and so many others in the Gospels, who is meek and unassuming. Again, there's not a lot of fanfare when he comes in. Uh, the Messiah, many who were along the, the road, they were expecting a political takeover. They were expecting this incredible king. They were expecting uh, a, a military might, either a political kingdom that would come or um, a, a military uh, kingdom that would come. But Jesus, that was not the kingdom that he was bringing. He's riding on a donkey in, 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 in complete tandem in fulfillment of Zechariah's prophecy of the kingdom of peace. The kingdom of peace, that shalom, that, that comprehensive wholeness of God's kingdom. He, he, he was riding on a donkey, and what else was he doing? He was weeping. He was weeping over the throngs who would not see and would not understand why he was coming, what he was doing, that this was not the kind of kingdom they were looking for, and his heart was breaking over that. We'll talk more about that in a minute. But he comes, he comes in meekness, and remember, that's always Meekness is not weakness, okay? Meekness is a, a strength that is under control. And Jesus exhibits that perfectly because he knew who he was as the son of God and he knew why he was sent here on earth. He knew his mission, he knew his assignment and he knew what was ahead of him on the cross at the end of the week. You know, Jesus' arrival in Jerusalem, it's so different than the, the big productions that that our royalty today, uh, whether it is in the UK or whether it's our you know, celebrity culture here in the US or around the world or our political culture, it's so different. We're seeing so, such a different uh, humility. Jesus comes as a humble king. And so it shouldn't surprise us that this humble king has a kingdom that looks markedly different than the expectations of the world around us. Now, if, if you were here last Saturday and last Sunday, you, you may have heard our special guest speaker, Putty Putman, uh, talk about how so often the kingdom of God and, and God's work in our lives and, 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 and the kingdom of God in terms of its inbreaking in our world, it starts as like a, a little bitty seed that's actually not even noticeable. It's so small that you can't even recognize it. And, and, and that's the way it, it happens in us as well. So often we think, God, I'm expecting you to work this way in my life, and I don't see what you're doing. But know this, know this, my friends, God is at work in your life and in my, in my life. And we are to trust him. We are to trust him. We are to look to him. We are to ask him, Holy Spirit, show me what you're doing. And when he chooses not to, we just know, God, you are at work in us. You are at work with us. Uh, and, and so Jesus comes in. He's not riding on a, a, a war horse, but a, a small colt and a, a donkey. And he's not, he is, he's coming and he's coming in meekness and he's, he's weeping. It says in verse 41, as he approached Jerusalem, he looked out, he saw the city of Jerusalem and he wept over it. And he said, if you, even you had only known on this day, what would bring you real peace, real lasting peace, if you had known that, uh, but now it is hidden from your eyes. 
As Jesus is riding along, uh, listening to the throngs, I know he's, he's thinking, you wanted a temporal earthly kingdom that had political power, that had a military might, but I am coming to give you one that actually has eternal heavenly power and heavenly peace that will never, ever end as you enter my heaven. And in fact, I want to bring my kingdom here on earth. I'm not just calling you to a, a kingdom that will only take place in heaven. I want to see my kingdom come here on earth. That's why he came, and that is what he's calling us to be. People who are ambassadors of his kingdom love, his kingdom power, who are engaged in doing his kingdom ministry by the same Holy Spirit who empowered Jesus. That's what he's calling us to be and to do. So we have a Messiah who is meek and unassuming. So let's shift our focus for just a second to to the crowds and maybe even find ourselves among the crowds because we are all folks who at times are fickle with our worship, with our loyalty, and with our affections, aren't we? You know, it's sort of like hold a finger to the wind, see which way it's blowing. Yeah, that's the way I'm going. What's the, what's the current sentiment on social media? Yeah, that's, that's my new truth. Yeah, I mean, that's the world that we live in today. We get caught up in the frenzy and the emotion of the crowd. And, and remember, first and foremost, what they were declaring from, from Psalm 118, which we read this morning, which was likely going to be in the songbook that they were going to use in celebrating Passover together. Uh, they are declaring, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Uh, that was true. and That is true. But, but unfortunately, they were singing these, these songs of praise on Sunday, and just a few days later, these same voices were crying out, crucify him, crucify him. How can they be so fickle? Well, maybe we can ask ourselves the same way we can be so fickle. I mean, think about it. Maybe we're here on Sunday morning, and we're, we're singing of the goodness of God, and, and we walk out, and we... we go to work on Monday and we get some bad news and all of a sudden, God, why did you let this happen to me? Why, how have I made you mad? Why, why are you mad at me? Or, or, or God, you know, I trust you. I'm singing songs about how I trust you and how I build my life on Jesus, the solid rock. And, and the first little wave that comes through, we come undone and unraveled with fear and anxiety. And it's like, boy, my heart is fickle. My heart is fickle. Ah, uh, we love you, Lord. We hate you, Lord. We believe in you, Lord. We doubt you, Lord. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Crucify him. Crucify him. How can we be so fickle? Too often we, we, we do this because we start following Jesus thinking, he's going to be the kind of king I want him to be. And we soon find out that's not the case. He is loving he is good, he is just, he is true, and he never stops being that. But sometimes our view of God's goodness is, can I say, self-serving? It's self-serving. It's, it's about Reese. It's about what Reese wants. Uh, it's, it's about, you know, what, what, what anybody wants. It's, it's about what I want. And God never stops being loving and being good and so as we navigate life, we need to understand that. And we need to, to trust him with our hearts and with our lives. When we find ourselves 
on that roller coaster, that spiritual roller coaster, that emotional roller coaster that we all ride whether we want to or not. Let us be people who know that our God is gracious, he is kind, he longs to be merciful to us and compassionate towards us. He knows how we're wired, he knows our failures, he knows the the things that we think and the things that we do, and he loves us. And he welcomes us to come. It's like, okay, God, I, I know I was singing really loud that you were good on Sunday morning, but right now I'm not, I'm not feeling that. That's hard for me to sing. Bring that to God in honesty. He welcomes us. He knows our hearts already. And he welcomes us to come. And in his presence, we, we're able to have a right alignment. We're able to see him in his beauty and his holiness and his majesty you know, and, and, and one of the things I also want to, for us to encourage one another in this, because notice also what's happening here. Jesus hears from some of the religious leaders, some of the Pharisees that are there in the crowd. And what are they telling Jesus? Jesus, you've got all these people that are, that are new to the religious scene. And they're, 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 I mean, they're making a big ruckus here, calling out all these things. You, you need to rebuke them. You need to quiet them down. They're just getting out of control. Because what they had seen, they'd been witnessing all the incredible things that God, that Jesus had been doing in their community, uh, raising the dead, healing the sick, uh, all the miracles that he was doing. It was like, wow, this is the Messiah. This is the one who's, who's been promised to us. And Jesus told the Pharisees, hey, if these crowds keep quiet, the stones are going to cry out because uh, all, all, all creation is going to declare uh, who I am. And I say this. I hope that as brothers and sisters in Christ, that we are people who readily encourage one another in our worship to God, that we do nothing, whether it is consciously or subconsciously, to hinder our brothers and sisters uh, into that passionate, wholehearted worship that God is worthy of at all times, at all times that we encourage one another to share our God stories, that we ask each other regularly, what is God doing in your life today? And that we listen and that we celebrate these things together and we encourage one another to to give praise to God in songs and dances and generosity and ultimately in the extravagant obedience of, 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 of a worshiping life. That's what we're called to do. So enough about fickle folks. I'm I'm sure you know that we don't have any here, but in case you have a friend or know somebody who has a tendency to be fickle, pass this on to them, okay? I want to end with this truth. It's back to Jesus. We have a Messiah whose heart breaks over the lost and over broken humanity. And that is really, really good news. That is good news for each one of us. And that is really good news for the world around us. Uh, His heart breaks. Yeah, these were people he knew would be rejecting him, calling out, crucify him in just a matter of days. Yet his heart, his heart broke for them. And God's heart continues to break for us even as we find ourselves rejecting God and the things of his kingdom. That his heart continues to break over us because he loves us and he is for us and he is good and he wants us to know and to live in his goodness each and every day. Does this living in his goodness, does that mean everything is hunky-dory, everything is easy? No. But God is with us. He is with us. He is our Emmanuel, and he is with us, and he makes himself known. 
He's powerful. He's loving. He's great and mighty. Yet he is tender hearted toward the lost and brokenhearted. And that is good news for all of us. That is good news for, for all of humanity. And I don't know where you are this morning in terms of your rejection of God. Maybe this whole Jesus thing is something that's like, no, I, I don't, I'm not going to go there. That, it doesn't make sense. Uh, I, I'm, I'm fine on my own. Or maybe you're, you've hit a rough spot in life and you're like, God, I, I, I need something. I, I have no hope. We're going to talk more about this next week. Jesus is our living hope. Hope is alive because Jesus is alive, and we're going to celebrate that next week. But today, I just want to remind you that, that just as we see Jesus here in, 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 in Luke, we see his heart breaking. He's coming meek and mild, and he's weeping over the people there who are going to reject him. Right now, they're singing his, his praises, giving him all kinds of acclaim, but they are going to reject him. He loves them. His heart is tender toward them. And God's heart is tender toward each one of us. No matter what's going on in your life, no matter where you are in your relationship with God, if you have rejected God or if you've accepted him, or maybe this week you're a follower of Jesus, but boy, you have messed up. You have made a decision to follow your own will versus the will of God. Just remember this, Romans 5, 6, 8. You see Paul writing to the church at Rome, at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, and that is because of the tender-hearted nature of the God that we serve, the all-powerful creator of the universe, but the God who longs to be gracious to his people, even those who reject him, even those who turn their back on him, even when we reject him or his ways, even when we deny him, God is still tender-hearted towards us, and he woos us, he calls us, he draws us, he welcomes us. And this morning, I just want to remind you of, the, of that, that amazing wonder of, from our unlikely Messiah for, for fickle people, fickle folks like you and me, that God's here. His mercy, his grace is here. He welcomes us, no matter what's going on in your life or what's not happening in your life that you know should be happening. He welcomes you. He welcomes me, and that is good news for all of us. Uh, would you guys stand together? Just invite you, whether you're joining us from home, whether you are in the cafe, uh, whether you're here in the worship center, I just want to invite you just to, just to open uh, your hands like you're going to receive a gift and close your eyes. Whatever you feel comfortable doing, there, there is, this isn't uh, anything magical in this. It just sort of expresses an open posture to just welcome God to come. And we just want to, Holy Spirit, we invite you to come and show us our hearts. We've got a lot of different people at a lot of different places, and you know where all of us are, and you see us, and you love us, and your heart is tender toward each one of us. And God, we thank you for that. More Holy Spirit, just increase, increase your presence. Increase your power in this room, in the cafe, with those at home. More, Lord, just more of your kingdom.
Just increase your power, Holy Spirit. More. More, Lord. Thank you for drawing near to us. Thank you for being tender-hearted towards us. Even those of us who have rejected you, we thank you that you draw near with love, with goodness, with mercy. Lord, we receive your mercy. We receive your goodness. We thank you for showing us our hearts, Lord. We thank you for showing us our hearts. Lord, we want to give our hearts fully to you. Holy Spirit, strengthen us. Lead us and guide us. Do your good work in each one of us. Your work of transformation. Your work of empowerment. Come, Holy Spirit. Lord, for those of us who are frustrated because we're not seeing you work in the way that maybe we expected or the way that we want. Lord, just bring your peace. Lord, speak, speak to maybe what you're, what you're doing or, what you're, or show us what you're doing. And, but Lord, if that's not your will right now, God, we just help us to trust you. Give us that grace to trust you more. God, for those of us who have doubts that you would want to actually include us in your ministry, that you would use us, come against those lies, we pray, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. God, thank you that you invite us, that you include us. And Lord, thank you that that you chose to, to, to limit yourself in order to partner with us, to empower us, to lead us and guide us. And I pray right now for just new insight Across this room, in the cafe, at home, new insight to know the things that you're calling us to be and the things that you're calling us to do. Thank you, Lord. And God, for those of us who recognize that we are just way too fickle, forgive us, God. We confess this as sin and Lord, we, we, we give our, this to you and we thank you that as we confess our sins that you're faithful, you're just to forgive us and to cleanse us and to do a work in our hearts. Holy Spirit, come and do that deep work in our hearts, we pray. Come and have your way in us, we pray. In Jesus' name.